episode 16, booking confirm. Dennis here, Christian here. What's up, man? It's been a little while. How you doing, sir? Good. Good to be back. Um, excited for this one. It's springtime. The weather's changing. Uh, people are traveling. I'm starting to get some bookings already in, in uh, May and, and into June. How you got, how you doing on your on your listings? Yeah, it's been fun. I mean, this is kind of the the you know I call it the turn yep. of the year as we turn up mm-hmm. um, from from the bottom yep. basically the dreary the dreary winter of bookings, oh, yeah. um, which is kind of the low season every year. You know, and you start to hit that March, April, you're like, okay, okay, mm-hmm. I see a few more coming in. You start exist. to, they you, do exist. You start to raise your prices a little bit, and yep. they still feel and you're like, okay, I like this, I like where we're going, and, yep. and then it just picks up from here and it builds steam up into the top of the summer. So, yeah, it's an exciting time. Um, you know, flowers are out, it's turning green, getting some allergies oh, yeah. going down, yep. you know, here in this area, but. It's travel time too. We're traveling, family travel, spring break for the yep. kids, uh, and people are traveling. And so, um, be ready. Be ready for when people want to come to your town and your space. And so, what are we talking about today, Christian? Yeah. So excited about this one. I, I think we've teed this up a little bit, but we've got Angela here today. Say hello, Angela. Hey. Happy to be here. So Angela is uh, my operations manager for all 22 of our listings. So um, Critical, a vital piece of the organization. Such a core piece and has been such a good uh, hire for us and a team member for us and, you know, has become more like family than just a a team member. But, um, yeah, I wanted to bring in Angela because she she does so much of our kind of day-to-day uh, operations for our business. And um, so we'll talk, I mean, kind of the two key topics we want to talk about here that is, uh, there's a lot of things Angela does, but kind of the core part of for business, and maybe we'll talk about some of the others too, but kind of the core part is, is guest communication, and then which is kind of that forward-facing voice for all of our, our properties. And then the other one is uh, cleaner management. So managing the cleaners uh, that are also a, a key component you know, of our business. And so I like to say An- Angela does most of the dirty work for us, right? I mean, I mean, you can tell me how it feels for you, but it's like, I think this is the hard work, like of, of short-term rental operating. And, and this component, whether you're doing it yourself, uh, you've hired a full-time property manager, or you've, you've got more of a, 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 you're building your own team out like we've done. Um, this is kind of a, a, the meat in the crux of day-to-day short-term rental operations that doesn't get talked about enough that really will make or break your business. And so, I mean, you mentioned a few things there as far as how you view Angela as far as a core team member, right? Uh, and so I think that that's interesting. We have, we have set up this conversation, I think, in multiple podcasts. Um, but just to re-rack for the audience, Christian, what was the biggest problem that an operation person, hiring an operation person, solved for you and and Holly. Um, that that you, when did you know that hey we could continue to do this on our own? And when did it make sense for us to actually go ahead and invest? It's not really an expense; it's an investment in scalability of our business. Yeah, you get to a certain point, and for us, it was it was pretty early on. I mean, when when did you exactly come on with this? How many units did we have when you came on? I mean, you were a cleaner before that, right. but... So that, that was January last year. 22, so, so mm-hmm. 
Probably had like four, five, maybe. Yeah. Where, where were we at? We were at Center we're at of Butte. I think we were at seven. When you came on, yeah. okay, in that role. So yeah, there, there's, there was kind of some tipping points in there. You know, we talked about it for quite a while, but eventually you get to a point where you're you're so busy with kind of the day-to-day operations, you don't have the time to keep building. And that's what it was for me. Um, so it, in some ways it was a, a time constraint component where if I was going to keep investing, you know, doing the work to, to, to analyze new deals, uh, once closing on those deals, the remodeling process, the setting up of those ones, it kind of got to a point where it was like, I, I can't continue to keep managing our existing portfolio and building our portfolio. And then the other thing as well is just um, the, because the, the day-to-day stuff is very, um, it's, it's, it's more of a, the time-intensive component of the business, but it's very varied. It's a variable time-intensive intensivity. There's no like consistent sit down at your computer all day. Very rarely do, do you do that, Angela. It's kind of more like you get a call here, you get a message here. And so you got to be kind of ready to respond at any and almost all hours yeah. of the day. Um, and so it's just this, it's, it's kind of this interrupting that happens. Mm-hmm. And so you have to have your life set up in a way where you can handle that. Yeah. Thankfully for Angela, and you know, hopefully you'll share some of that as you've had with me, that that's kind of your style. Right. You prefer that type of work. Where, where for me, I needed more space to think. Mm-hmm. Like if I keep getting interrupted, it messed up my flow as I'm trying to analyze a deal, as I'm trying to like kind of do some tinkering on our business to try to improve the business. And so transferring that component to another person on our team kind of freed up that space for me, which was a pain point in order to produce more high level productivity for our property. So part of that is, uh, sounds like what I'm hearing is you found some of those were complimentary to you and Holly. Uh, and, and, and Angela, I'd love, love for you to, to start because there's there's this this idea of a complement and a partnership that you guys formed over time, which takes yeah. trust. It takes it, it's, it doesn't just come automatically, and it's not guaranteed. And and like like any any uh any business, when a critical piece churns or or leaves, it leaves a hole. And so um, everyone's in a different place of life. Everyone has different financial goals. Everyone has different lifestyle goals. Um, you, but your personality seems to fit, at least so far, in, in the in the Taylor Homes LLC situation here. Oh, it's mm-hmm. perfect. And, <laughs> I mean, we vibe. Yeah. We have a good time. And, and so, but it's also, too, so there's a compliment aspect to it. And there's also, you guys have uh, a similar, what I call brand, standard of excellence. So you were able to see what Holly and Christian were building, their style, their uh, their their workflow, their pace of their life, yeah. and where their kids were at, and, and kind of their migratory patterns, and the way they worked, and what they need to do. Like you, you came in at, at, in in a very pivotal time, I would say. But you know, talk to me about as other short term rental operators might be looking for an operations person um, and using you as the archetype. What what would what would, how would you describe your personality? That's a great question. Um, <clears throat> first of all, amazing personality. Yes. Uh, clearly, no. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would say that uh, this job's been uh, it's been a really fun job because um, I love to multitask. I don't like necessarily um, things to be just the same every day. I don't need things to be the same every day. I actually enjoy the adventure of the twists and turns of 
um, property management, operations uh, of this sort of business because it's a, it's sort of a new day every day. So that's been really fun for me. I've spent a lot of time uh, doing mission work uh, at a camp in the Bahamas. And so I remember waking up many a day in that job feeling like, wow, this is amazing. I'm doing stuff that is uh, that I that I love with people that I love. Um, and it, it's great. I get to do so much of what I love. And so this job feels a lot like that job. I'm working with people that I love, love the tailors. Um, uh, I just love them, love working for them. Um, I was able to, um, as they, and as we built our relationship, they were able to hand me different levels of responsibility that uh, really became very fun for me because I cared about their business care about your business. Uh, it's like my little baby. Yeah. Uh, I care about the business, uh, but it really empowered me to, to take care of the business. Mm -hmm. um, instead of just looking maybe window shopping at the mm -hmm. business, I got to go in and put it on yeah. and, and really take care of it in, in, in a way that felt like I could honor them, honor the business, take really good care of the customer. So it, it's just been fun for me. Uh, it's something that's felt like an adventure um, and Christian, you're totally right. It's not something that I, uh, you know, clock in at this time of the day and I need to sit down and hyper-focus for eight hours and then clock out. It's, I liken it to like, um, you know, think of when you have a child, man, and you love your kids more than anything, you'll, you'll do so much for your kid. Um, but you know, kids, you can't just clock out and say, okay, kid, I'll see you. Uh, it's Friday at five. I'll see you Monday at eight. Mm -hmm. Um, you love that kid. And so you are thinking of how, how are ways I could keep this kid alive? Um, well-fed, happy, um, because you care about it. And so to me, this is this kind of job. Um, it allows me to, to take care of something as opposed to just clock in, make some money and clock out and go do my own life. I actually get to do my life. And this is like a child that I love that gets to do life with me. So that's, it, that's been a big, a big, yeah, those are some big points that I've enjoyed. That was an amazing response. I'll say that. <laughs> that was great. That was really yeah. good. I mean, that's, and, and I'm sure Christian's heart is just beating because it's like, that's what every Minnesota wants their partner to set, to share in that sense of ownership. And so it, I, I think it's awesome. Question I always ask uh, guests on the show is, did you have any uh, concept of uh, real estate or um, rentals? Did you grow up around um, an investment type of family um, that led you to this path of, of getting involved? And I believe you were you said you were a cleaner first. Is that the story? Yes. Like, um, and so did you have a concept or did you just find yourself in Redding, California looking for something, a new challenge or problem to solve. Give us the, the backstory of one. And one, did you have any context around either entrepreneurship or solving puzzles or, or real estate in general before you kind of got to where you're at now? That's a good question. You only ask good questions. No wonder this <laughs> podcast is so That's why they paid Dennis so the big bucks. That's true. Yeah, um, a fi five-star podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I uh, definitely didn't grow up around entrepreneurship. On on how do you say that word? Thank you. See, I, I can't even say, hardly yeah, say that word. Um, definitely didn't grow up that way. You know, uh, di didn't grow up with a lot of people with a lot of money and finding ways to make money off of that money. It was a bit more of survival. Um, grew up in a single parent household. Um, but I got really good at solving problems mm -hmm. because we often didn't have what we needed um, to solve the problem. So yeah. I, I got, I found it uh, kind of challenge, challenging and a fun challenge to figure out how to 
how to solve the problem. I also really care about people. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of my problem solving, as even as I was a kid, was how to help the people around me, how to help my mom, how to help my siblings. Mm -hmm. If something broke in the house, I, I was just... I'm an optimist. I'm an eternal optimist. I can fix this. <laughs> Even if, if I tried and I failed, it was a sense of, uh, you know what, let me take a look at that. Which is, which is, which is, a, which is an interesting component that we deal with. Because bar none, anytime there's something wrong in a property, Angela's like, oh, I got it. Like, I can fix it. I'm like, I'm like the AC went out. Like, She's like, I got this. I'm like, do you know how to fix AC? Yeah, I've done it before. Listen, I'm like, with YouTube, nothing's impossible. <laughs> this is true. Um, this is true. But I would say I also had a really a bent toward um, going to the mission field. So I got a degree in missions and at Liberty University in Virginia, then went to the mission field back and forth, back and forth. And on the mission field, you're typically in not a first world country. And there's all sorts of challenges um, at play. And I found that really exciting. Like, oh, I can fix this washing machine. Um, I can, I can uh, for instance, one of my jobs at uh, the camp I was working at um, was I would get to design and run games for up to 150 campers. And there's not a Home Depot or a Walmart just right on these little islands. So um, I would go to the dump and I'd just look at the dump and say, What's here that's usable that I could turn into an obstacle wow, course awesome. to do some sort of game? Yeah. And I would just be so excited, adrenaline pumping through my body as I'd grab, you know, 50 tires or, you wow. know, a rope or just something that I could turn into the most epic competition you've ever seen. Yeah. And uh, just seeing that from like dreaming it up to execution was so fun. Like I can just use anything to make it happen. Um, <clears throat> And also, uh, during my work at that camp, was uh, the people component was big, right? There are cabins. You want them to be clean. You want the, you want the camper experience or the mission team that would come in. You'd want their experience to be, wow, this place is amazing. I get to be home here. To me, creating a sense, a place for someone to have home is like the biggest gift you can give someone. So hospitality has always been something that I just cut me down the middle and just right there in the very, very middle, I'm just going to, I've just been big on taking care of a person. So creating home, hospitality. Um, I used to sometimes think like, how can I do a hundred jobs in a lifetime? hundred things that I'm interested in. And one of those things was like to be the front desk of a, like a gigantic resort where families come <laughs> from all over the world. And I'm like, welcome to the best resort in the yeah. world. How can I make your life amazing? Um, and so this has been a bit of scratching some of those itches of problem solving, creating home for people. Um, uh, <clears throat> yeah, just giving people really good customer care, giving them a good experience, not just like, oh, this is just a guest and eh, they're going to pay and that's great. But actually like, oh, I can't help but care about them. Now that I'm in guest communications, I fall in love with each one. Yeah. Sometimes we have to break up at the end, but yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> I, I don't think I've, I've heard a and, and I've, I've heard the term hospitality thousands of times in my life. Um, I've never heard someone define it as creating home before, and I think that's that's a super powerful statement. Just just pure like yeah. like when someone walks in, we talk a lot about um, you know our brand is our standard of excellence. When people walk into your space, they you know they're technically judging you on. You know, an experience which is attached to a feeling, right? That we're 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 in experience management just as much as we are in real estate management in short-term rentals. And so, I mean, I think that I just wrote a ton of notes down when you're talking because I'm like, oh wow, there's there's a big mix here between.
this idea of being resourceful, uh, you're people focused and you're, and you're optimistic, which has to do with your mind and your resourcefulness, your heart and your, your heart for people. And this idea of your optimist is you have, you have this hope, but your hope is infused in what you do. And it comes across in the passion and the authenticity and probably your standard of excellence when you're either through text, email, or guest communications. And on all those are, I don't know if you can teach those things. Mm-hmm. I think those are things that you have to experience and then you have to be um, impacted by in your life. And, and I also heard that you had leadership experience from a young age, which I think helps a lot in the exposure and education to the world and probably your heart for people and also your ingenuity. And so all those things I think are, are amazing when, when it comes to, we could say, all right, you know, we can pick a hundred short-term rental operators and you say, all right, describe what it means to create home for someone. We could have a hundred different answers. And that's all going to be based off of the depth of, you know, depth of character that you have and hold, your standard of excellence. There's so many factors that go into this because a lot of investors that just have an investor mindset, I want a 1,200-square-foot 2-1 or 3-2. I want all tile floors. I want this backsplash. I want to do the same every time. And there's a value to standardization from a scalability and a business side of the house. But balancing... The, the business side of it with where this is a very personal business in, in experience management, I think is, I think is awesome. So, yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting point that, and, and kind of, I, I think the way our business is set up is I kind of, I focus on the standardization side of things and, and every house is different. Every unit's different, even within one property that, you know, one of our lodges, the rooms are different, right? But we try to have a standardization of excellence um, and, you know, but there's different feels to each one, but there's kind of like, you know, systems, right? Mm -hmm. But then when it comes to Angela's side, this is an, every individual guest has different needs, some much more greater than others, Mm -hmm. uh, which can be a gift and a curse, (laughs) (laughs) right? Um, You know, potentially some needy guests. and, but then, like, like her communication and engagement with them can be so individual, so personalized. Um, I think one thing you do really well is you do that. You don't, you don't, like, I mean, you could have cut and paste responses. You just respond to guests, but you actually choose to just write them out yourself each time. And so it is very personal. It's a real voice. It's a real person who cares. And as you can hear when you listen to Angela, she's a great communicator. And is a very uh, engaged uh, person who can listen really well. And so, like, this skill set, yep. like, that she has is, is a really unique in the breadth of it. Yep. A lot of people don't have kind of the, the whole breadth. Yep. Um, she, can, she can manage and relate. Um, oftentimes, people can just relate or manage. It's hard to do both. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, in, in business, you know... There's an example of there's, there's sales and there's engineering, but to find a true sales engineer that can relate with people and know the product front down to the nuts and bolts, it's, a very, it, it's, a very, it's like 1%. It's, it's so, so few. My, my, question, my next question is, would you design your current systems of guest communications? We haven't got into them yet, but would you design them differently if you had your own properties or when you have your own properties? Would you do anything different than you're doing now? Man, that's a great question. Um, <clears throat> well, one thing I would say that I like about the current systems is the way that you, Christian, build your systems. They're very um, sustainable. 
Um, some people, I think, focus too heavy on some of the nuts and bolts of something that they almost miss the spirit of it. And I think that you do a really great job of, of not, um, you know, there's lots of nickels and dimes of this, of, of this business. Uh, but I think handing me a lot of, what do you mean nickels and dimes? Like, are you talking about money or what I mean is that for instance, when you decided, Hey, we're going to, we're going to bring Angela aboard to take care of some of these things. Um, it's not that they're not important, but they're just small, sort of small components that was Nuance, taking, yeah, yeah, that was that they were taking up a lot of time. It's a, it's a bit of a time demand when you were also trying to handle some of the higher, uh, more visionary um, things for the business. So, um, yeah, I think that I like that you have created systems and the systems systems that we use that uh, they, they, they tend to be very sustainable in that they accomplish something, but not in, you don't try to do it in the most complicated way. You're, you're the way, to me, I feel like you, you are, a, uh, it's a beautiful minimalist way of doing a process. It doesn't, there's no neglect in there. But there's not just like, you know, you, sometimes when you walk into an Airbnb, and some of you listeners may have experienced this, you walk into an Airbnb and you, you say, wow, it looks to me like they went, the owner went to their grandmother's house, who's a hoarder, and brought a lot of their stuff in here. Mm, yeah. Like, and then you walk into some Airbnbs and it's, it's just bright and beautiful and there isn't just a, a lot of extra stuff laying around. To me, that's how a lot of these systems that we use, a lot of the things that you've created, a lot of the operational parts, they aren't, uh, there aren't, you know, it's not your, it's not a hoarding grandmother Airbnb. It's, it's, it's a minimalist in, in operation. And I like that because it helps me be light on my feet. It helps me not carry too much in my, you know, backpack. I'm going to, you know, Christian's a mountain climber, um, you know, just, just a little hobby you dabble in, just the tops of mountains that most people just look at and take a selfie. Oh, look, I'm in front of this mountain. And um, I think that uh, you do a good job of, of having us kind of carry with us just the essentials. Um, and it's and what's beautiful is we're, we're constantly revisiting, like, hey, is this working? Is it not working? Not like this is how it, it has to be. So I'd say at, at this point in the game, um, the things that I would do differently are the things that I just bring to the game already. Yeah. Like I do like the personal interaction with the guest. And so I could just do totally uh, pre-written responses to just everything under the sun, but just taking a few extra seconds really just to say, Hey, Josephine, um, we're so excited that you're here, um, you know, in our, in our, in our home. And sounds like you're really enjoying the hot tub. Uh, you know, I, I just yeah. like to personalize it. I feel like I can bring those things to this. So yeah. I don't know that there's much that I would personally change at this point because I feel like I've been able to bring me to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's uh, what we try to do is kind of a combination of both, like systems and personal touch. And so we do have the systems. I mean, you bring up messaging, right? Like we have, I don't know, about 15 pre-canned messages that go out over the course of a guest booking experience, right? So those are automatic messages. And there is some personalization in there. You know, there's a code that it pulls in their name and it pulls in the listing and pulls in the city. It pulls in the date, the time, all that stuff, right? But then anytime a guest reaches out through that messaging platform, it's you, the personal, per the real person that's going to be responding yeah. to that guest. If they call, 
our number, it's going to come to you. If they email our email address, it's going to come to you and you're going to be on the other end, you know, responding to that. And so it's a combination of both that I like. It's not complete, you know, AI prefabricated messages that can turn people off. I mean, we know it when you call customer service, you're just like, dude, I just want to talk to somebody. Just let me get somebody on the phone when you're dealing with an issue. And that's what's great is that we have that on the other end. And yeah, but you're right. Like we talk, you talk about there's there's a need for fluidity yeah. in this business. You can't be too static. You can't be like the systems have to be so perfect right. and work the same way every time because it won't in this business. There's so many things that come up on a day to day basis. You're like, this booking didn't go through. How do we get an invoice to this guest? Mm-hmm. You know, at ten at night, got to figure out how to do it. You know, and I mean, part of this too is. Um, it's a, it's a tension point because personalization is a premium. It really is. Like people want, especially when they're in need, right? They, when, when, when the need goes higher, I mean, that's when I want actual, some, I, I want a hero to be there for me. Um, so so let's, let's get into the practicality of, um, unless you have any more thoughts. Oh, I was just had one thought. Yes. Well, I have many, but yes. I, I will say it, it, this kind of business reminds me of a, a family road trip. Mm. Like it's it's you were saying it's not just static. Like it, you can't be too rigid about everything because it's like a road trip. Like sometimes your tire's gonna blow. Sometimes little Timmy has to pee again yeah. for the hundredth time um, when you're trying to get down to Florida, to, you know, to go to Disney. Uh, but uh, but it's it's full of people that you love. It's yeah. full of people. You're ha- and you're having a shared experience, yeah. and so you actually you actually can stop and say, oh, what are the needs of the moment? Yeah. Timmy's got to pee. We're yeah. gonna find <laughs> us a gas station yeah. or the side of the road. Yeah. And a bush. Yeah. yeah, and and I think that you know guest communications. Um, I, I'm, you know, I only know it from business and in the sense that um, you can get, you can gain the most information about someone if I'm in their space. Meaning, if, you know, I can have a phone call, I can have a Zoom call, or I can show up in your office. And if I show up in your office, I get to see the degrees on your wall, the books on your shelf, and the pictures on your desk. So without asking any questions, I can gather more information, not for my own sake, but for the sake of a potential relationship that we're building. Mm-hmm. And I would say that relationship management and resource allocation are pivotal mm-hmm. to scaling and being sustainable in business because business is just relationships happening with emotional people and making sure we're, we're there when we need them. But in business, I realize that if I can get in the room and I let them talk and I ask interesting questions, 80 to 85% of the time, I could ask for their personal cell phone at the end of the meeting and they would give it to me. And then I had the opportunity to start a different type of relationship. I can start infusing personal anecdotes to business questions. And so it's not just what I'm selling and when you need it and when the PO's coming in, but it's, oh, I knew where you went to school and I knew where you grew up and I knew how long you've been in this job. I know you like the LA Dodgers. I know these things. And, and so when articles come up, when, when the Dodgers make the playoffs, I can text you. I have a direct line to you for value. And this idea of not becoming a transitioning from a service provider to a value generator, if we can associate ourselves as value generators, anytime I get a text from Dennis Marinello, they're going to answer me or pick up because I built that trust and that value that I, di- I didn't take your cell phone and just start slamming you with business questions that are good for me. 
Yeah. I actually said, hey, this, this is a dance and a relationship that we're building. And I technically want to blur the lines between business and personal. And in short-term rentals, it's a very personal business that we're in. It's kind of like yeah. counseling. Like you go to you know marriage counseling or therapy, like, yeah, so, you know, there is a business. There's money being exchanged. But we're talking about very vulnerable, very real stuff. And the sense of home is a very vulnerable place to be. I want safety. I want security versus I'm a business traveler. I just need a crash next to the airport. I don't care what it looks like. I could be on a couch or a futon for all I care. I just need four hours of sleep to get to the plane. Knowing your audience and getting that information is really important. But the guest communications, I think that if we, like, uh, for instance, my first, my first guest came uh, into, the, into the White House um, and they're coming for a hunting trip and there's three dudes and so they had bows and guns and coming to my house and they told me this so I looked up um, you know their reviews and they went to Hawaii and the guy and the the host in Hawaii said hey poor communicate you know poor communication one star and he, and the guest responded back and said hey I'm actually in Hawaii on vacation and I, I don't want to be responsible for communicating with my host I feel like I communicated just fine with you. And I'm like, oh, he's a direct communicator. Awesome. And so learning about the guest is only going to increase the probability that, you know, the business side, we want, we, we need a five-star review. That, I mean, that, that's, the, that's the checking the facts of why we're doing this and the fact that we can continue to scale out and be successful. That's part of the equation. But our, part of it, too, is the, the, the memories and the experiences we're making and holding that intention is kind of the, the, the dance of what makes something go from good to great, right? Um, so transitioning, Christian, I think I want you to talk about when you were managing your own cleaners and the transition to meeting Angela and then the transition from uh, promoting Angela or Angela getting closer to the business and then kind of have Angela share kind of how she went about that and her experience. Yeah, so... Uh Originally, um, I guess we can just kind of have more have a conversation about yeah. this, but you, so you were, when did you start cleaning with us? That's how we first met you, right? I mean, Holly was managing our cleaners, my wife, yeah, Holly. It, it was October of 2022. 22 or 21? Mm. Probably 21. I think 21. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, 21. I'm sorry, yes, 21. So you, I think you were one of our first cleaners, mm -hmm. and you were, I mean, what were, what did we have at that point? Woodhill... Uh, Woodhill and Woodhill ADU. And that was it? That was it. So this was OG. I know. <laughs> like, the OG, yeah. <laughs> and the van. <laughs> yeah. And then, I, I know we, like, kind of, I, I think Harley and I, like, pretty early on as we started to scale, and we're like, oh, wow, this is actually a thing. Like, we're going to keep doing this. We, I know we identified you early on in the sense of, like, we're like, oh, Angela would be awesome to have on the team. And I think we started talking about that. I mean, I know I mentioned it to you, and I think you were excited about it, but I didn't have a, a role yet. Like, and there was almost like, I was like, I, like we're going to get a role for you. Like, we're going to get one. And I don't know. Did that, like, what did that feel like? Wait, when you say role, well, explain role. Was it infrastructure? Was it, was it revenue? What, when you say you don't have a role for her yet, what do you mean by that? Scale. Okay, we needed more scale to essentially, like, we were like, hey, and you know, we knew we wanted to transition some of the operations, um, but just weren't sure when we could get to a point where we could afford that mm -hmm. with the business. We needed yeah. enough revenue and um, activity in order to kind of warrant uh, another person between, you know, inside the team. Um, and so I know we kind of talked about that for a while. I remember at one point we're like, we got to get Angela on here before we lose her. Yep. 
good. Like you had applied for yeah, like another I, job. I, I, I Remember that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. And 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 thinking back, um, I actually met you guys October 2020. Oh, year okay. of COVID. Yes. Yeah. I remember I, I Holly and I exchanged a couple texts. Was here here's an interesting an interesting um you know, story in that is that I was going to ministry school up here in Reading and I was in my final year and I, I remember having a um a thought the day before I ever got a hold of you guys and I remember thinking, you know what, it'd be great if I could just like clean an Airbnb. Because I wanted something that was manageable with everything else I was doing, and I was also, I just had a couple of plates I was spinning. And I remember the next day, my friend contacted me, and she said, "Can I pass your 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 number?" Uh, Who was that? Uh, it, Christy. Okay. Christy. Yeah. Yeah. You're still a cleaner for us. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I and I was like, uh, yeah. So I remember Holly. Uh, I remember reaching out to Holly. She was so kind, so nice, and I had some trips planned. So it was a little bit of back and forth, and I thought, oh, man, I wonder if this gal's going to think I'm, you know, shady or shifty. But we were able to finally meet up. She showed me the house, and I started cleaning. And at that point, it was one to two times a week, and it worked out really great because um, as a student, it felt like, oh, wow, I'm, I, I'm able to make some money around everything I'm doing. It also felt like good money to me at that point because I had not worked the year before as I was just doing school. But what happened in the next two years is you guys kept you guys kept buying new properties, flipping them, and uh, putting them uh, as part of you know the Taylor Homes Kingdom. Mm-hmm. So it, your kingdom grew quickly, and in that process, I began to clean obviously the other properties. I was soon to be done with school, and so then when summer hit, I was done with school, and so I was cleaning. Um, I was cleaning all the time. I was cleaning all the properties that you had, which was steadily growing more and more and more. Um, and you guys would, I realized, oh, once you asked me to help you guys manage, I realized that you guys had slowly been training me over the course of the whole time I had worked with y'all because you, uh, both you and Holly were able to show me the more personal dynamics of how you run your business and, and really learning your voice and your personalities. You and Holly have very different personalities and sometimes very different, but beautiful ways of looking at something, which I think makes for a good marriage, really. Uh, but I was able to learn over time y'all's personality, the way you did things, what was important and valuable to y'all. And you were also so, and you still are, so good at inviting my insight or my perspective or my thoughts. Or, you know, you didn't say, hey, you work for us. Don't, you, you know, this is the thing. And kind of what you were saying is uh, business. A lot of people say business isn't personal. Well, if you've ever been fired from a job, you know, it's pretty personal. Uh, Business, to me, is a group of people doing something. And if you can be really good at the people component of it, I think your business will thrive because your people are thriving. And money is important, but it's not the only thing that's important. And learning all how to manage all of the things in your business um, and, and make sure, just like these plants in this beautiful office, are thriving when I walked in. I'm like, wow, these plants are are amazing. (laughs) But that takes a lot of work. It takes some sun. It takes water. It takes like, oh, this is a wilting. What should I do? And Mm -hmm. yeah. And so as I began to clean for you guys, uh, I, first of all, I kept telling people like, man, I love the Taylors. They are so great to work for. They are such good people. They treat me so nice. And I would have known if you guys were just kind of, you know, like, being fake with me or it just felt so genuine. Um, I also was able to be privy to, um, see the way y'all would handle situations that were tough 
And I always would come away like, wow, um, these people treat people really well. You know, these conversations, maybe there was a situation with a guest or even with another cleaner. And the way that you guys would handle that, I thought, wow, in the end, y'all treat people really well. I had that, that's something that feels also like one of my core values and it helped me grow trust with y'all. It helped me. And and I say y'all because I'm from Texas. Uh, It helped me understand that um, not only were people safe with y'all, I was safe with y'all. And especially as y'all would invite my own thoughts and perspectives and kind of just conversate about all the different dynamics of business that you would slowly share with me. It, it just helped me feel like um, I wasn't just working for you, I was working with you. And so as you guys, I remember there was a specific time that y'all started uh, letting me see the guest communications. And y'all were still handling it completely. But that was really eye-opening because it was as though I was working in the business with like a, a pirate's patch over one eye. Like, okay, this is um, kind of one-dimensional and yeah. I, I'm, I'm learning all of this stuff and... But then seeing guest communications was like that patch went flying and suddenly everything was in 3D. So a lot of the processes and a lot of the decisions that were being made, I was like, oh, this totally makes sense. I see why you would, you know, ask me even as a cleaner, hey, could you do this? Hey, could you focus on that? Hey, this guest is coming in. Just everything from feedback from y'all as far as my cleans to decisions decisions that y'all would make about different guest issues and even preventative maintenance for things. It just makes sense. Yeah, and just, just a little uh, quick tip for you out there. Um, so on your Airbnb app or VRBO app or whatever channel you're on, or if you have a property management software as well, you have the option to add co-hosts or different, that's what Airbnb calls it, other platforms call it other things. But you can add a co-host that um, is potentially a role like Angela has, or it's a property manager, or it's another owner, somebody that's involved in your business where they can log in on that platform and see everything going on. And they can respond directly, or they can just view it. You can put it in different modes. You can put it in editor mode. You can put it in view only. You can remove financial. You can kind of do a lot of different things with it. Um, But it's a really great tool um, like Angela said, you know, just as she was kind of our, our, our main cleaner at that point, just to see what guest feedback was. Because often like our best feedback as far as like what's going on in the properties is from guests in terms of, hey, this wasn't, this was dirty, this wasn't clean the way we wanted it, or there's something wrong, like something not working. Then it's like, okay, we got to get that on a list to fix. So a lot of our best information comes through there. Um, but it's also, yeah, just a great way as we were transitioning to you to kind of show you for a period of time, like this is our voice. This is the way we handle these situations. This is kind of, because you can, especially on guest communications, it's more about from a system standpoint, communicating values, non-negotiables, and then every situation is different. Expectations, conflict resolution, de-escalation. Yeah, so then it's, 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 you gotta have a lot of, um, uh, to do it well, and, and I mentioned this earlier, you gotta have a lot of like interpersonal skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you're you know, fully on hospitality mode where you're, you, know, you are that front desk, like creating the vibe, like so excited for you to come, like you know, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, hey, what, what should I, where should I eat? Like, oh, let me tell you about this place and this place. And then other times, you're in suicide prevention watch where you're talking people off a ledge, you know, where it's like, hey, let me just talk you down a little bit here. You know, so there's, there's a lot of different types of skills 
that you need within it. And so there's not like a, a set and fast yeah. rule. You just have to, you need somebody in that guest communication rule who can adapt and who can kind of take core values, non-negotiables, expectations and say, okay, this is, this is sort of our lines and the way we want to communicate and our voice and our, like what we want to put out there. And then we got to, we got to adapt. So I have a question is, is there, is there such a thing as a standard operating procedure as far as I call it qualification in, in business? Uh, when I got into the office, no matter who it was, I asked relatively the same five, five questions. And to that, it's what's going on in your world. And that was open-ended. They could tell me if they're having a shit day, if they're having mm -hmm. a great day, how, you know, how long you've been in this position. You know, it's uh, where are you originally from. It's uh, what do you, you know? What are you most proud of in your career? And you know, usually it's either do you have a dream district you want to end up at? So, so vision. Um, so those five questions mm -hmm. could tell me enough about how they wanted to be communicated with. What they that let them define either be short to the point, let's get to business, or be open. But they're they're invitation questions for me to figure out how to best communicate with the, these people. In, in short-term rental operating guest communication, um, is, there, is there a standard like first three questions or first, first three like timed, uh, like do we do a, you know, a double tap like welcome, here it is, and then uh, an immediate follow-up within an hour of here's a blessed place to eat and then a, and a gap? Or do you ask, yeah, how, how do you figure out how your guests want to be communicated? Especially if they're like a no communication person, right? And so if they say nothing back to you and you get less than a five-star review, I think part of this is educating short-term rental operators. And some of it's also, I'm, I want to be educated as a, a short-term rental guest. As I go in, how can I be a more effective communicator going into someone else's home or property so that I can be a, a help them become more effective and be and a, create a better product, but also that I can be more aware of letting them know how we want to be communicated to. Mm -hmm. Now they might not have an Angela that, that, that's taken so much as much care and um, has a standard of excellence you have, but there, I'm wondering, are, are there these specific either questions or cadences that you usually start with to see, to kind of test the waters to see what type of person we're dealing with here mm -hmm. to best serve them? Well, I'd say uh, for one, um, we show them some of our cards you know, we're, we're at the poker table. We let them see, like, some of our cards. For instance, we tell them, like, we really want to give you a five-star experience. So mm -hmm. please let us know yeah. if there's anything that needs attention. And this simple message goes out, uh, I think, about an hour into their stay um, after check-in. And I find that a lot of times I learn about how they want me to communicate with them by how they respond. Mm. If they don't respond, I still may check in on them with an additional message if they're going to be there, uh, say, if they're going to be there for a week. Mm -hmm. That's something I will definitely uh, check in on them throughout the week. But if they're just a one-night guest or a two-night guest and they don't respond, mm -hmm. I'm going to assume we've shown them we want to give you a five-star experience and they haven't communicated anything back needs attention. We usually get five-star reviews from that. Mm -hmm. Now... It also opens up an opportunity for guests who want to dialogue with you about different things. Some of them preference, some of them something that maybe is it broke that, oh my goodness. Uh, so what I do, no matter what they say back to me, whatever the issue is, or maybe they just want to talk, or maybe they just want to say, hey, where would you recommend I eat? Yeah. 
what I do is I want to, before I give them even an answer, I just want to say, hey, thank you so much for reaching out. Because it conveys dignity to that person. Like, yeah. you're not just, um, we're, we're not just here for, for your payment. We're actually here for you. So it may be some hard feedback they're giving me, and maybe they're just having um, a rough day and want to tell me all sorts of things about their preferences. <laughs> and so what I do is I try to empathize with them, like, yeah. hey, thanks so much for your feedback. Yeah. We really care about your experience. Because the reality is, that's the reality. Yeah. I do care about their experience. Yeah. And I know we work hard to give them a great experience. And so, for instance, if it's a preference thing and maybe the bed's too hard or too soft or mm. they, you know, don't like the picture on the wall or something like that. Yeah. Um, what I try to do is not just dismiss them like, okay, you're just having a bad day and taking it out on me. I'd say, hey, thanks so much for letting us know. We always value seeing our homes through guest eyes. Mm, so thank good. you so much. And then I, you know, I just follow up with if, if something needs to be fixed or if, it, you know, whatever the issue is. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, one thing I, I would say, like, I, I think what we try to do is we try to get more of the nuts and bolts out. Like, we kind of pre-program those messages. And so we've learned over time, like, what are kind of the core, like, operational messages that are questions mm -hmm. that a guest needs the answer to? They obviously need to know, like, where to park, you know, how to check into the unit, any uh, unique challenges about a property of like, you know, if there's any uh, unique, like, hey, you park kind of over here and you walk around this gate and you get into the property here. You know, communicating that clearly. Um, you know, Wi-Fi details is obviously a really core thing. Um, you know, we communicate our rules multiple times just because guests still will break your rules yeah. even if you do that. And so we try to be like really upfront with that. Yeah. Um, and then anything like special about the property, if there's, you know, a fireplace or a pool or a hot tub, different rules with that and operational instructions. So we kind of try to knock all that stuff out in our like pre-programmed stuff. And if we keep it getting any kind of recurring questions over time, we're like, okay, we might need to add that mm -hmm. some information about that. So we kind of try to like, those are the things we knock out early yeah. and we have like timed messages as to when they go out. Um, and then from there, it's more the personal stuff that comes up or an issue with the property or a question about an experience in the area. And so then we'll try to add some of that stuff. I mean, I have on every one of our listings, there's a section where it says like uh, on Airbnb, it's called other things to note. Mm -hmm. And I put in there like all the cool stuff within reach of the property. So this includes like coffee shops, ice cream, food, hikes, mm -hmm. like all the stuff that we love. Yeah like near that property and I put like how far it is, like how many minutes walking or driving it is yep. from that house. I actually just pull up Google Maps and do that for every property. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's there, but yeah. oftentimes guests won't see yeah. it because yeah. they don't read the listings. And so they're going to ask Angela that question, but then she has that and she knows the properties now. And we've talked about these different places, like here's some hikes to recommend or here's some, you know, or sometimes she'll ask me like, you know, can you talk to this guest or like, or what do you think we should say to this question? Yeah. You know, and, and the more that happens, the more she knows, and then she can take it over from there for future guests. So, so a couple of thoughts were, uh, Angela, you were talking about this idea of having a sense of empathy for the guests. Mm -hmm. I think it's really, it's really interesting and, and important. And, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm the the highest EQ guy in the world, uh, much more reason versus emotional. But you know, the the wise mind, the middle path is this idea of 
we need to think from the perspective of our guests. And in business, it's, hey, I need to think from the other side of the table. That's kind of how I've always done it. Like, the only way I can get perspective outside of myself is to think, to see through the eyes of somebody else. It's a very philosophical idea. I'm a philosopher, so that makes sense to me. But <laughs> this idea of, I, I, I can't know more about myself than I have the awareness to know. But just taking critical feedback and taking it personally and being reactive and being defensive isn't going to help us get a five-star review. And so go, defaulting back to what is, you know, what is our overall objective? It is, all right, follow my sword, eat crow, be humble, and do what's, what's right in the eyes of our guests. Now, that might not be the, the right business move at times, but on, on the whole, what is our brand? What is our brand? What are we going for? Long term, this isn't, we're, we're looking to get repeat customers and lifelong customers for when they come back to our city, for them to look me up again and stay at my place again. That's what we're looking for. And have that perspective. I think empathy is a part of having that long term perspective, which I think is, is awesome. And then you have very temperamental guests, which say, hey, that really cool red rug in the living room isn't there that was in your photo. Where did it go? What, like, why? This, this, this sucks. And this is like, well, all right, let's, let's have a, let's have a conversation and inviting in, in a conversation versus reacting to a comment. And I think we're all trained to react to comments on photos mm-hmm. online and take it personally when really it's just like, no, like we set an expectation on, on the posting. We, we did, we set that expectation and it's not what they, they, their experience is when they got there. And it might be such, such a little thing, but it's important because well, one, to know is that we're in control of our own destiny because we get to set the expectations. And as long as we set proper expectations, we should have enough relationship margin and margin in general to not have an emergency, right? We don't want emergencies. We want plenty of margin in there. So how do you deal with temperamental guests? That's a great question because there will be temperamental guests. <laughs> um, it's just the reality. So <clears throat> in some ways, I call myself um, the old lady whisperer. And I, listen, I'm 47. Some, so sometimes people would think I'm old. That's fine. It is I'm, old. It is. It? I'm older than you what? So no. It, thank you. you thank so you. Young. No, it is old lady. It is old ladies often though, right? Oh yeah. So I'd say your classic temperamental guest is an older lady. Yeah. And traveling solo, and by their age, they know the way that they like things. Yep. And and so maybe if they're 25, they they won't have those lists of um, preferences. Yeah. Uh, they won't contact me near as much, but if they're, you know, 57, they, they actually think like, actually, I want to tell you this. And yeah. so what I've learned is to um, just engage with them not ignore them, not play hard to get like, yeah. Oh my goodness, this, this we'll call her Bertha. Um, <laughs> this temperamental lady, she's just complaining again about, you know, the thickness of the window pane. I yeah. don't know that yeah. no one's complained about that, but just things that I'm thinking, this is irrelevant. It's yeah. preference only. It's um, it's like telling you your baby's ugly. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what to do with that exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, you've got a baby, but your baby's ugly. It's like, uh, that's more of a preference on your part, the way you're looking at something. So what I just do is I, I, I just try to take it all in stride, but I try to listen to them because honestly, I'd say a temperamental guest number one need is to be heard. Mm-hmm. Chances are, if someone's complaining to you as a host um, or as a property manager or as an operations manager about something that they want you to know and they're very temperamental chances are they're also the people that are um, ordering pizza and complaining I used to deliver for Domino's Pizza I've had a lot of jobs 
Uh, lived many lives in one. Um, you know, the same people that would tell you, like, my pizza's burnt, and you just delivered it, and it was amazing. You yeah. had a slice of it, you know, just kidding. <laughs> I did not do that. But uh, it's the same people that are typically having a bit of frustration in life that will be those temperamental guests. And so I try to come at them with a lot of compassion, and I don't mishandle them. I don't just, like, I'm just going to ignore them or be passive. Uh, but I also, you know, there are limits to how much time I'm going to spend engaging with you because we're also running a business. So the good thing about uh, having um, communication that's not face-to-face, it actually gives you a lot of space to deeply empathize with someone without it costing you like an hour of a counseling session with them. Um, where if you are working at a front desk at a, the world's greatest hotel, you would be really listening to people and interacting with them a lot yeah. more. And so I just take a few minutes and interact with them. And if they bring more things to my attention of their preferences or they just want to uh, vent about something, I'll just read it. And, and then I will just give them some more empathy and, and let them know that we're doing everything we can to give them a great experience. So I love that answer. And what you said is that asynchronous communication gives you space to to find empathy. It also puts a premium on personal interaction, meaning that I had a guest two weeks ago and they came in and and I put I actually put the wrong address on the listing, uh, and so they couldn't find it, and so they were messaging me, and I'm like, oh, not a problem. I'll text you directly, and they got there, and since it's only a street over from my street. I took over a bottle of wine and they showed up and I said, hey, just want to make sure you got in. Here's a local bottle of wine. And if you show up, usually the, the it's a lot easier to be a bully behind a, a, a keyboard mm-hmm. or your phone than is if you have to look me in the eye and tell me those things. And so that is a, it's a power move, I would say, for me to be like, hey, what's up? Are you good? Right? Look them in the eye. But saving that for when it's really needed, yeah. uh, I think is important. But I think it's both having the empathy beforehand and then also when needed, and it happens to work out for your schedule, to show up and like proverbially punch them in the face because they're being, they're being mm-hmm. irrational at times, right, or particular. So, um, so I think it's, yeah, it's really important. So it's this time check. We're at 54 minutes in the episode. Christian, was there any other topics or thoughts or avenues that you were you know, wanting Angela to cover uh, in the next kind of 15 or so minutes before we wrap up? Yeah, let's dive into cleaner management. A bit here. Um, I, I, there's a lot more we could go into with yeah. guest communication, and I think we're going to have to have you back, Angela, yeah. and do some more episodes. But um, yeah, cleaner management is really unique. Um, if you have, um, you know, some people may just have one cleaner for for their properties. If you only have one property or two, but once you start to get a little bit more of a portfolio, you're going to need multiple cleaners. Uh, also, depending on how reliable they are, what other jobs they have, if they're a cleaner that does this more professionally, if they're just doing it on the side, as like, you know, Angela was doing it, you know, but, you know, as aside to like schooling. Yeah. So we have properties in uh, uh, three different locations. Uh, two are pretty close to each other. So we have Reading properties, and so we have cleaners here in Reading. And then we have properties in Siskiyou County, which is Mount Shasta and McLeod, which are like 15 minutes apart. Um, so we have some cleaners overlap between those, but we have a very different cleaner profile for those two uh, different areas yeah. um, and very different types of management 
for Angela. So let's just dive in a little bit there yeah. on, on cleaner management. Why don't you first kind of just share with us, like, what does that mean to you? What does that look like to you? And then we could ask some more specific questions. Well, um, you know the commercials that, that used to say, like, um, something like... I'm, By the I'm, way, I'm loving all the analogies uh, they, uh, here. Well, I'm like, full of them. Great, we're doing great. Um, where they would say, like, um, I, that they're, they're not just a, a doctor on TV. I forget the wording, but they, they were a real doctor. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. But I'm, okay, okay, thank you, that, yeah. that one. Uh -huh. um, you get two points for that, Dennis. Uh, the fact is, I'm not. I don't just manage cleaners. I was a cleaner. Like I, I didn't just play it on TV. Like, okay, I'm gonna manage cleaners. So I've got a bit of a buy-in and an understanding from a cleaner's perspective that has just been to me extremely helpful in managing cleaners, because I'm not just up in an office somewhere just kind of uh, shouting out my orders, you know, to whomever. I'm actually, uh, uh, my cleaners understand. I'm, I've, I'm also one of them. They can feel that I am an advocate for them. I want to set them up for success. I care about them. I'll work with them. Um, I'll help train them. I'll help tweak some of their, um, you know, some of the things that they do. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll just say, first of all, because I've been a cleaner, that's been really helpful. In other words, I'm not just managing something that I don't know anything about. And so the, the learning curve was easy for me. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I think there's several different kinds of cleaners and one is like your drifter mm -hmm. and they're going to maybe, maybe clean for you for three months because they're just passing through, uh, just something they like, let my, let me try my hand in this, mm -hmm. or maybe they used to clean. And I, I liken that again, um, to pizza delivery because I, when I worked for Domino's pizza, it was it was like, oh, there's always pizza. You can always come back to pizza. They'll, they'll have you. Oh, you want to deliver? That's great. And a lot of people would come in and out. So you've got your drifter cleaner that could still be an amazing cleaner. Um, and then you have someone who is doing it um, as their full-time job. And they are a like a wild cowgirl. Mm. Most of our cleaners <laughs> are girls. Um, I call it, It's like the wild, wild west. I mean, they are gunslinging. They are riding their horse all over. Yeah. Uh, they are getting things done. And you can give them a lot of, of work and they're going to get, they're going to find a way to get it all done. And, um, I love those kind of cleaners cause they're fun to work with. I can also give them a lot of responsibility. And then you have, um, like uh, someone who is definitely doing this as something on the side. They've got other things they're doing and this either they're a student. Um, maybe they're adding this as a secondary job. Maybe they, um, are a stay at home mom who needs some more income. So they're trying to figure out ways to, Get, be able to work around their schedule. And so all of these cleaners are different in the way, in their approach, I think, to cleaning, and it affects the way I manage. So I manage them differently. Um, as I've, I think I've also learned over the course of the last year and a half of, of managing cleaners, I've learned a lot. What works, um, what doesn't work, uh, how to motivate different kinds of people. And I've had to fire some cleaners, which is never my favorite thing. That would be my least favorite thing about this job. Let it be noted because I love people and I'm like, come on, you got it in you. Yeah. I, you know, you're looking at a little lion. Like I see a big yeah. lion in you. It's like Simba. Like yeah. you can, yeah, you're going to be king of the jungle. Um, and I'm looking at a cleaner who maybe is not very detail oriented. And I'm thinking, oh, I know you got it in you. Come on, you can do it. And so what I do is I, I shadow them a bit. I, when I onboard a cleaner, I've gotten better. I think at that process where I, 
uh, let them come in. I show them around. I show them what we want. I then let them clean. I then show up. I look at it. I, I check their cleans uh, for a, a while, giving them a lot of feedback and seeing if they adapt to it. If they don't, then I don't give them any more cleans. But usually, you can see the heart of someone. And to me, the heart of a cleaner, in some ways, is a more important trait like than if they just wow me at first. Like, are you teachable? Mm-hmm. And are you humble? Mm-hmm. And are you just doing this for money? Because I don't do my job just for money. Good. And we all know when we're dealing with people in all of life and in business that are just doing it for money. There's no heart to it. We know it. It's it's uh, it's like a it's like a zombie. It's mm-hmm. it's they're alive, but they're not. Um, so the way that I uh, can I can train someone who's like oh I can work with this person. Um, how do they treat me? I've had cleaners who uh, have been I'd say a bit disrespectful. I had to fire them, but I would see them and I'm thinking this is a beautiful moment. I'm rarely seeing you in person. Let's connect. How are you? Let me give you some feedback. Let's yeah. talk about this. And they would just kind of be cold. And I'm thinking, well, that's not really going to work because we're trying to take care of something that is something I care about, something that the tailors care about, is something that the guest cares about. And if you as a cleaner don't care about this, I need you to care about it. And so I've often gone away from cleaners who don't care. On, on that note, I mean, this idea of that you're trying to transfer your sense of ownership or see how much ownership they take or pride they take in their work, do you find that you can, like, they either have a sense of ownership and pride or they don't? Is that something that you can grow? Uh, I always think that, you know, stage of life, uh, responsibility, uh, dynamics kind of play into where where people are at and their vision for themselves. And, I, and we can't have more vision for people than they have for themselves. Mm-hmm. It's just not, it's not possible. Um, to, that's my opinion. I feel feel that way um but you know is there is there a have you found any trends as far as age like have you have you employed people uh, kids that are in college or in high school um is it is it mostly uh is it you said mostly female have you ever employed a a male um I, i i have interacted with with cleaners as a guest you know i either stayed late or or was you know on a call and and cleaners showed up have you ever had cleaners interact with guests that you knew about that's a good question. Um, first of all, um, I've largely just had female cleaners. We have had a few um, men, and we have a, a guy, uh, a, a young man, I, I, probably 28. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. Um, yeah. I've, I've brought him on, and he takes care of some of our local Reading properties, and he's great. He's pretty state, straightforward. He's a dude, so he's not as emotional because, you know, so I want to connect with all my cleaners, but, mm-hmm. you know, our conversations are good. But he just goes in there and gets it done, and I can ask him to do anything, and he does it. With the females, it's just a little different creature, so I am a bit more uh, connecting on a heart level probably with them. But I'm also really good at that, so that's yeah. kind of my way of management is I also want to connect with them on a heart level, even if I have to fire them. I mean, I'm a pretty yeah. nice person when I, when I fire you. Um, but I would say, um, yeah, I can't teach someone to care like, I can't give them internal motivation to care about the details. Because I'd say, as if you're managing cleaners, you need them to be detailed. Yeah. And if, if there comes a point when you're giving them a lot of feedback and then you're not seeing them improve, I think I can teach you to, like, clean around the bottom of a toilet. Yeah. And I can tell you that 17 times, but if you still don't do it, it's no longer an issue of, I can teach you to do this. It's like, you're refusing to do this. You're refusing to care. Or, or, or they think that they're do- they are doing what you're asking them to do. And there's still a gap, 
right? Between yeah. the best, you know, I'm doing my best yes. and the best way that I'm being asked to do it. And they might, I mean, they might have the willingness, but they don't have the ability because there's yeah. a gap there, right? Yes. And I'd say I recently had to fire two cleaners um, because it was an awareness of that gap. Mm -hmm. Like I've done everything I can as a manager. I've gone above and beyond to yep. give you feedback, to give you some grace, to take your hand, to help you be successful, to share with you, uh, again, the vision of what we're trying to bring, um, to help you every way I can. But yeah. you uh, you are only coming to a certain level, and I need you up here. Yeah. And I've got other cleaners that are up here yep. that, uh, that sometimes I don't have to do much. They just want to clean, and they do a great job. Yeah. And they're really open to feedback, and they ask, ask for feedback. So when you start seeing that disconnect, it's kind of like if you're dating someone, you know, and you're like... Um, it's, it, you know, you're a lovely person. You're just not my person. Yeah. Like I always ask my friends who are dating when things seem really complicated and they're doing so much work. I said, could it be that maybe you're dating someone else's husband? Mm. Maybe that's just, maybe that guy's just not going to be your husband mm. because I don't know that it should be this hard. Yeah. So I feel like, um, sometimes when a cleaner is, they're like, Oh, I love to clean and I've cleaned and I want to clean. But then you're like, I, I hear you, but I don't feel you yeah. that this is just, Maybe cleaning isn't your husband. Yeah. Maybe it's somebody else's husband. But yeah. I bet you, when I just had to um, let two cleaners go, you know, I wished them well. And, and, and I, I, I told them maybe there's other things that they could do that they would really, really love to do. Yeah. Do I think that cleaning's in their future? No. Yeah. 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 And I think they'll be happier and mm -hmm. I'll be happier. Yeah. Yeah. I think one thing that's, that's interesting just from, just from kind of like a, um, repercussion standpoint and kind of from my perspective of, of why I see this as so important and such an important role to not just have cleaners. Like I could hire cleaners, but to have someone like Angela actually managing them and, and kind of overseeing the, the, the entire process and, and quality control is because from a top level, right? So you get a guest checks in and stays, right? And if it's not clean, you better believe they are not going to give you mm -hmm. a five-star yeah. review. Mm -hmm. So that's going to ding your property. Yeah. You're going to drop down on rankings. Mm -hmm. The ranking of your property is going to go down, and thus you're going to get less bookings. Mm -hmm. So you better have this process dialed. So when we get a bad review for cleaning, I'm pissed. Yeah. So I go to Angela and say, hey, we got to get some feedback. Who is this? What's going on? You know, She goes to them. It might be the umpteenth time. And so this is this it just goes down the line. And so the cleaner is so important because this is this is the last person who is gonna see your property yep. before your guest checks in. Mm -hmm. And often on a day-to-day -day basis, it's the only person that sees your property. We have a whole other component of our business that maybe we'll talk about next time, which is kind of like quality control checks wow. Wow, check. yeah. mm -hmm. of our units. Um, we call them house checks that Angela oversees as well that we have a whole checklist for that. And it's kind of part of cleaning, but it's more maintenance, repairs, some stuff that comes up anyway when, you know, we get communicated to guests of things that are not working. Angela figures out kind of, you know, do, can she repair that quickly or do we need to bring in a handyman or another skilled laborer specific to that trade to yeah. fix? Uh, troubleshooting those issues. You're often working with guests on mini splits, troubleshooting mm -hmm. different things like that. But... Um, but yeah, on a day-to-day -day basis, Angela's not in every one of our properties. Right. And and it, it might it might I might go months yeah. personally yeah. without even setting foot in a property. That's my ideal scenario. 
Is it Angela is the one sitting there? And so the person that is, is that cleaner. And so that cleaner needs to have, you know, the same eye, the same expectations, the same quality control that we have, because that's really the person that's the closest one to the space and to the guest and why it's so important that, that this process and this is a core component of your business. And maybe you're lucky, you just hired a cleaner that's just awesome and you never had any issues. But if you start to scale at any level, you're gonna need a lot of cleaners and you're gonna have to figure this out. Yeah, and I mean, this, this idea of what you just said is you might happen to, to hire a good one, meaning they can mindless, their, their standard of excellence is so high they can mindlessly clean and it, it's either therapeutic for them or they don't think yeah. about it. Like it's not really a job for them because they get paid to just do what they know how to do, and that's not a big deal. I mean, that that can happen. And the majority of ours are that. Yeah, yes. And, yes. and that can happen. And then I think the ideal for a short-term rental operator is that I almost never see my properties, and they are high cash flowing, right, high efficiency, and I get five-star reviews. Like, that's the best-case scenario. But what we're talking about here with you, Angela, is like the minute details of how to get from buying a property to it being a high yield asset long term. Yeah, and so you bring up a really good point I just want to touch on from the owner standpoint. The reason people do long term real estate as and, and view that historically yeah. as more of a, um, a passive way to build wealth is you're not making any money on a monthly basis. I mean, a, a good long term single family home rental makes 200 bucks a month. You're literally just cashing all of that away for maintenance, repairs, and CapEx improvements, mm -hmm. right? So you're not making any money on a year to year basis, maybe a tiny bit, but you make money on appreciation and you're paying down your loan yeah. every single month in principle. Yeah. So 30 years down the road, when you retire from your W 2 job, you've got as many single family homes as you bought, say you bought one every year, you've got 30 homes, you know, you know, and, and the first one's paid off and you've got another, you know, 29 coming down the line every year. Yeah. Right. And so you've got this essentially real estate portfolio retirement account. Mm -hmm. So that's what long-term real estate is. The reason short-term real estate is attractive and the negative component, the attractiveness of it is the cash flow. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's, it's, you can make a lot more money on a monthly basis. Like I have been able to transition to, this is my full-time job, yeah. but as you can hear, it's more of running a business, yeah. but I'm also trying to accomplish another goal. And one of the reasons I love having Angela on our team is it's made it more passive for me. Mm -hmm. It's made it to where I can invest in Angela. We can train Angela. We can, we found somebody who has some amazing skills We've communicated expectations to her. She's learned our process, and then we've empowered her. Yeah. And this is what I think is so core. I mean, it's core to any business. You find great people, and you empower them. And you let them run. You give them ownership. You give them responsibility. And now she's, in turn, doing that to cleaners. She's passing that down the line. And that's, what, that's how we run our business, how we love it. And it's made it where I can have a much more high cash flow business be more passive for me. Yeah, I mean, what I heard is you're you're investing in Angela and the team to save on the whole of the business, right? I mean, yeah, yes, you're giving up some of your monthly revenue sure. to invest in infrastructure, to invest in people, to invest in management, right? But overall, it's it's this idea of like.
people have the dream of being a short-term rental operator and they wash out because it's so hard and there's so much I didn't know. And I, and I didn't know that I had to clean it every time the best possible and it takes me two hours instead of 45 minutes to clean. There's all this little stuff that it diminishes ultimately the margin of what you've projected with the investment. And so you're going from an investment, which is very, could be theoretical, you know, after you spend the money, to very practical of, well, how much of that monthly income do I get to keep? It's not how much am I making, it's how much do I get to keep. And usually people think that the higher my expenses, the lower amount I get to yield from it. When in reality, if you have the right people and infrastructure, you're only investing in, the, in yourself. And the, investing in people is investing in yourself, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so one thing I want to talk about before we wrap up is there's different ways to do uh, kind of uh, cleaning design management. We had Bronson, mm -hmm. who's a property manager, on our last episode. Yep. And what he does, he has cleaning teams, kind of teams of two that manage like six or so properties, mm -hmm. kind of in a geographical area. He's got a much kind of larger space in the whole greater Phoenix area. Yep. So they might be more localized, and so they kind of clean and check each other, maybe kind of head cleaner, sub cleaner, mm -hmm. but they knock out their you know six properties a day together kind of in this in this system. Yep. You know, there's other systems, um, you know, I know where some people might have, you know, a, a number of units, say 10, 12 units kind of congregated in one area, whether it's on one property in one area, and they might have one cleaning team. They kind of have a head cleaner and a couple sub cleaners if necessary. And so they kind of have one cleaning team. So it's one, you know, one set of expectations. You find that one person, but you need to have enough people sort of connected to that person mm -hmm. in order to, when you have a big day, you know, on a Saturday in the sun, or sorry, a Sunday in the summer, you know, when maybe maybe ten of those units are going to turn, yeah. can you handle ten units? You know, yeah. between your cleaning window yeah. of when guests check out at eleven and guests check in at four, that's in a, that's only a five hour window mm -hmm. where you have to get all your cleans done, yeah. right? Unless you're going to block some, yeah. right? Which means you're losing money on your next day, yeah. mm -hmm. which we prefer not to do. So. We've kind of we, we've we've kind of gone from a model of, of we've done some different stuff. I feel like in Reading we have you know a lot more good cleaners that we've had for a while. Sometimes you add in some new ones that yeah. are looking for work. You've kind of got a pool of people here yes. you use. But up in up in Siskiyou County where we're an hour away from. So here in Reading, you live here in Reading, so you can yeah. run around to properties. Yeah. It's easier for you to kind of spot check yeah. stuff. And you go up, what, how often do you go up to our properties in, in Siskiyou County now? I try to go at least two times a month, uh, but sometimes it's three. Yeah. But at least two times a month helps uh, put my eyes on it, which I see differently than, than our cleaners. I'm going to be looking for things differently than the cleaners. Yeah. Yeah. But then we're, 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 we're transitioning right now from uh, we've had a lot more cleaners. Yes. And like you said, you had to let a couple go because they just weren't meeting our expectations, but yeah. we're sort of condensing down yes. to a smaller, can you talk a little bit about, you know, why that is, so, how that's going to change things yeah. and, and, and sort of from your perspective, you know, the pros of that. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, definitely as I've done this job, I've grown a lot and I've learned a lot. Um, there was a lot of things that I've just had to learn tri trial and error. And I got to a point where I had a ton of cleaners, especially in Siskiyou County and our properties up there. That's a place I don't live, so I don't n personally know a lot of people. Whereas in Reading, I know tons of people. Mm -hmm. I have more I have more cleaners than I have jobs to give them. Yeah. And so I can kind of pick and choose, and uh, some of these are people that I'm friendly with, you know. So it, that's a pretty easy organic um, 
way that I can get cleaners here, but up there, I didn't know anybody. And so I would say, oh my goodness, what if we have, because right now we have 15 um, properties uh, up there. So like if they're all flipping in a day and sometimes they do, um, oh my goodness, I need a ton of cleaners. And so sometimes I'd send four cleaners to do eight cleans. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought, okay, this is great. This, we're going to get it all done. But I started to realize that I, it was felt like, uh, again, sort of that grandmother hoarding Airbnb as opposed to sort of a more of a minimalist, crisp and clean. It felt like there's a lot of clutter in this process. Mm. And I started to dial in on our, uh, our best cleaners who were, ex- I mean, we have a cleaner that drove on the back roads of Siskiyou County for an hour and a half to get to our property when there was a huge snowstorm, when no one else would come. When cleaners were calling out, and I'm like, okay, that's a cowgirl. Yeah. I need. She's in the wild, wild Come west. On. Come on. We need to harness this. She's and, a beast. Yeah. She's a beast, yeah. and I and 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 so, you know, she. I could ask her to do anything, and she was happy to do it because yeah. she's taken some ownership. She's very responsible. She manages her time really well, and she works hard for her money. Yeah. And so we decided over the last few months, as we've kind of dialogued and and problem solved and just kind of visited this idea of should we make some changes is we've gone to more of a main cleaner at these properties um, where we have multiple units on one piece of land. Um, We've gone to more of a head cleaner, Mm -hmm. a main cleaner. And those cleaners, uh, I mean, first of all, I wanted to say a, a huge component, something super necessary for me as a manager of cleaners um, to do every day is to be in contact with my cleaners. So between those hours and 11 and 4, my cleaners and I were chatting uh, the whole time. I mean, not the whole time, but they know, like, I'm interacting with them, they're interacting with me. This helps me keep my eyes on the property. It helps set them up for success. I know, I kind of know the living and breathing uh, property, what's happening in it, what, what it needs um, just it, that, that is super helpful. The more communicative I got with my cleaners during those cleaning hours. Oh man, that helped me so much feel like, okay, I'm managing this. Well, it helped me understand what was going on in the property and practically what they maybe needed. Um, that maybe they, I wouldn't know had they not been contacting me. So yeah, I, I feel like once we've gone to this more of a head cleaner or a main cleaner, I've realized I didn't need as many cleaners. I just quality over quantity. Mm. And so now I've got a few, you know, a few cleaners um, up there that are really great. And then I have a few backups that yeah. aren't maybe a head cleaner quality. But when you have to flip 15 properties in a day, yeah. that's when I'll pull a few of those others in yeah. as backup to do some smaller cabins. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it, there's, a, there's a strategic um, nature to some of the Taylor Home properties where there are multi-units on the same property. And so that actually gives you the opportunity to have a, a, a pathway for your cleaners to kind of get promoted, right? Instead of going all over the place, like you said, the head cleaners over a grouping mm-hmm. of properties in an area. And oftentimes that's not the case with, you know, a short-term rental operator that might have, you know, it's all spread out, right? So, so geographically and logistically, it's, it, you need to have multiple, but it's very unique that if I'm a, if I'm a beginning cleaner, I want to prove myself and you're telling me that if I do a good job for long enough... I can graduate or be promoted to be kind of a manager over a multi-unit property. I mean, I think that that, and I don't, 
I haven't heard that a lot of having a having a roadmap for your cleaners or a, an upside trajectory for your cleaners to get more responsibility. But it is interesting, and it, and it really happened. It, it goes back to the logistics of the property itself. Like, is it is an ADU with a primary? So two doors? Is it one door? Are they are they within one mile, and you have three properties? So taking consideration uh, your portfolio, or as you're looking to buy, buying strategically with cleaners in mind as a logistical <coughs> to solve for. No, you're good. Um, all right, we do need to wrap it a little bit. Uh, any last thoughts, Christian or Angela, before we, because uh, we need to have you on, because I want to know, I want to know, do you, do you, uh, you know, in the next episode, uh, more about the logistics of managing cleaners. I want to know, do you pay them all the same? I mean, I, I want to know a lot more. We don't have time to go into that right now, but um, we obviously thank you for your wisdom. Uh, and and sharing your experience, so many good anecdotes, so many good analogies. I think you're giving short-term rental operators or or, <coughs> or future short-term rental operators a great insight into the 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 science and the art of the business itself. Uh, Christian, any any last thoughts or ideas for the for the audience? No, I'm just uh, thank you, Angela, for coming and doing this. Um, yeah, we you know really fun to have you and and you're such a good communicator, and um, yeah, we've obviously been so blessed to have you on our team and Holly and I love you so Thank much. You. Thank you. This was this was fun. Sorry, I'm coughing. <laughs> you saved it till the end. I'm just, That's good. That's good. I'm just so moved. That's good. That's all good. I'm bringing it to tears. You're, you're welcome. You're welcome back. You know, and if you have experiences, log them. Well, well you know, co- content content is king in the podcast game, and, and this is excellent content. So and if you me. ever if you ever in Reading and you see a, a gal like driving around on a little white scooter oh, around yeah. town, that, that's our Angela. All right. Just know that's me. I'll typically have a Harley Davidson shirt on. Okay. Just to look cool. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And pull up next to the Harleys and yeah. just rev a little bit. And the good guys will wave at you. That, you know. The bad guys will be like, I'm too cool for that scooter. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, uh, thanks, Angela. Thanks, Christian. Uh, booking confirmed. Episode 16, we're out. Have a good day.